Peace, peace. Hey. What's up, you guys? It's R.E.M. And Yodi. And you're tuned in to Dissol Radio. That's right. Your favorite twins are back talking all things music and culture. Because two takes are better than one, but twin takes are even, even better. better. And we're back. Yes. Back with another episode. Yes, we are. Whew. Summer so far. Wow. It's been a ride. It's been a great summer so far. Busy, like, but good busy. It's definitely busy. Um, <laughs> and I'm just trying to like enjoy it. I can't believe it's already July. I know. June was just a complete blur. Yeah. And we realized we completely didn't have the opportunity to talk about Black Music Month. And yes, <laughs> that's a tragedy. But what way, what better way to do it but do it on CP time and talk about it in July? <laughs> I cannot. Yodi and I wanted to specifically highlight. NPR's Tiny Desk. Mm -hmm. A round of applause. Yes. They did a great job with the Black Music Month programming. They had so many different types of talent come on and showcase the diversity and the nuances of Black music from all different genres and subgenres. And I feel like the curation was very spot on. It was chef's kiss. Every episode has just gotten better and better. But specifically with Black Music Month, they there was it was all misses no yeah. all hits no misses <laughs> let me say that again it was all hits no misses <laughs> definitely that definitely that <laughs> and I think what was the most educational and entertaining was the baby face tiny desk I think just having that reintroduction. I mean, obviously he's a legend. Right. He is a legend as Period. an artist, but also as a songwriter and a producer. Mm -hmm. It was just really, really cool to see him just out there, just highlighting his whole discography. I know. It's crazy because he had a grip on us culturally, like with the different artists he worked with, from Whitney to Bobby Brown, Tony Braxton. I mean, the list goes on and on. Right. But it was just really nice to have that space for him to go through and share his contributions in this way. And it was cool to hear the songs that we've known and loved all these years stripped down. Yeah. Tank was his vocalist as well as Avery mm -hmm. and... Avery Wilson and Shantae Moore. Oh. It was cool to have them, you know, spotlight the different songs that Babyface had written. For instance, Shantae Moore singing not going to cry mm. from the iconic Waiting to Exhale soundtrack mm. that Mary J. Blige bodied. Of and course. just to hear that song again. And of course, Shantae is so talented. Her voice is insane. And <laughs> that's an instrument in itself. That but whistle then, note? Right. Mm. But just to hear those songs played back in that way. And then, of course, Avery doing Tevin Campbell's Can We Talk? Like... Yeah. I don't it was, okay, that song is such so a classic good. and I don't know how he was able to breathe new life into that song the way that he did. Mm -hmm. I mean, there was a run that he did where you thought as a listener like is he going to be out of breath and then he just finishes with more power and I'm I like wow. like serious <laughs> wow. and take with boys to men. Yeah. End of the road. Yeah, classic. I'll make love to you. Yeah. I'm like, Babyface was just not letting us breathe. Mm. Like, he was just coming out with hit after hit after hit. And he just had needed to remind us of who he was and yeah. is yeah. Um, in culture. So I felt like that was a very, very great set. I think the most <laughs> surprising one was, and I don't know where I heard this fun fact, but I definitely wasn't as surprised as Yodi was because I'd watched it first and I was like, girl, you got to watch the baby face tiny desk. And mm -hmm. so when she watched it, she was like, girl, I 
did not know that he produced Thanks for the Memories by Fall Out Boy. Yes. And I was that like, was a huge <laughs> shock for me because I was like, okay, so he was just dipping his toes on all types of genres because he's obviously known as like this R&B legend, right? R&B soul legend. I've always kind of associated him with that sound and it just never dawned on me to think that he had worked on other genres of music. Right. But then specifically with Fall Out Boy and like Thanks for the Memories, that was like like a huge moment for Fall Out Boy. That was and just to hear song. that he had a hand in that song. I'm I used like, to okay. love that song. And just to know that Babyface worked on it is crazy to me. Yeah. Yeah. That was a good set. Charlie Wilson. Oh, my Lord. Like we need to have a moment to talk about that. Like Charlie Wilson, his voice is in tip top shape mint condition pristine 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 he literally sounds exactly <laughs> the same when he performs anything from his discography it's like you're hearing the record that is so true like yeah. i'm just like what are these L listen these young r&b folks they need to take notes if they want longevity they gotta like figure out what it is that these older generation of artists are doing to preserve their voices. The blueprint is literally there. Like, it's there. It's insane. You know, just knowing Charlie's story, he was very candid about being sober and his struggles and how grateful he has been to have the career that he has had. His career has been illustrious and he's had so many phases mm -hmm. and he's always been tapped into the new sound. Yeah. And, you know, of course, like his history with Kanye West and like all of these like younger artists. And Pharrell. Like, Pharrell. All of these. Snoop Dogg. Snoop. You like, know. I just feel like he's always been able to use his very distinct sound and have these amazing collaborations with these younger generations. To hear him perform songs from when he was in the Gap Band, like to your point, all the way through his current work. Yeah. It's just really, really cool. And it just shows that he, his career has sustained and people are always going to show love to Charlie Wilson. And I think he felt the love. You can tell when he was performing, like the love was definitely yeah. reciprocated mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. from the from the audience and from him. And so it was cool to hear him. And then, of course, to hear him perform Yams was like iconic, too. Yes. Like, and he mentioned he was like, I thought I was going to retire. Right. And then everybody's telling me I need to sing Yams. Right. Which was like. That's already was like trending. Everyone was covering that yeah. at some point. And Masego was like honored. I mean, it's Charlie huge, did a cover of his song. Like huge deal. And of course, like outstanding. Of course. Of that, course. That's like one of my favorites. It's such a feel-good song. It is. Like you can't be in a bad mood. All you think about is like cookouts, barbecue, summer, dancing. Like I just every time I hear it, like you could be like going through whatever but if you hear that song like you're instantly in a better mood and so it true. still hits the same yeah like it still hits the same every time yeah and it's good let out music too if you're ever out like it's, it doesn't it's, feel it doesn't, as like you know when you hear a let out song in the club you're like oh damn i gotta go like they really want us out of here but, but this is like okay you, you you're like two-stepping out the door you're like okay <laughs> got my last sip in my cup okay let's sit right exactly exactly <laughs> like you can be smiling on your way out so yeah that's a, that shows the power of music and the power of that song and obviously people have been talking about the most recent episode juvenile, juvenile. when i tell you 
the level of excitement I had when I found out he was about to do a tiny desk. I was like weekly checking NPR's tiny desk YouTube. Is it out yet? Is it out yet? Right. Is it out yet? Um, and when it finally came, it it really genuinely delivered. But the origin of how we got on is, is hilarious. I mean, people were tweeting on oh, Twitter, the story Black of how Twitter. He got on, yeah, yeah. Actually, shout out to Black Twitter. Okay. Black Twitter is always, you know, setting the standard of Period. what the culture needs. Mm -hmm. And basically, they were folks on there saying that, you know, Juvenile should perform on Tiny Desk. And he got wind of it and tweeted, like, what the F is a Tiny Desk? <laughs> and no. <laughs> and I'm like, the fact that he didn't know yeah. was, like, so funny. funny. And people were like explaining to him like, oh, it's this and that. And he's like, okay, if I get like, I think like 10K or like 100K retweets or something, I'll do it. Of course, immediately the fans are like, retweet, yeah. retweet, retweet. Say, fan said, say less. Like, we're going we're gonna to make this happen. And he was on from start to finish. So good. It was so good for so many reasons. Just seeing these bangers that he's so well known for mm -hmm. in an intimate space. <laughs> like, I mean, it was like a full-blown concert. I mean, you can hear, normally you don't really hear the audience in the background, but like the entire time audience members were singing along to yeah. these mm -hmm. like iconic songs. And of course, Manny Fresh was there, his longtime collaborator. Right. Not only was it nostalgic for us, I mean, we grew up mm -hmm. with Cash Money. Like yeah. we grew up hearing these mm -hmm. artists and they were the blueprint for so many artists that we have going on today. So many iconic hits were birthed from that era and that collective of artists. We can't sit here and not talk about the set list. It was, it was amazing. <laughs> I mean, you had Bling, you had Back That up, which we'll, which we'll get to in a second. He performed Project on Tiny Desk. <laughs> so what's interesting, what's interesting is like, at the time, it's like you just partying, you're just hearing the song, but this is an intimate space, right? <laughs> so hearing the lyrics, you're like, oh, this is a wild song. Like hearing, because like all you can really do is like hear it because it's an intimate yeah. performance. But it still went. It like, went. I feel like the way that they had put together the arrangements worked for that space. Yeah. And it gave you a new appreciation for the songs. It did. It did. And... Honestly, like, I loved how he brought, like, the Amours mm -hmm. to sing Rodeo with him. Yes. He also brought John Baptiste and Trombone Shorty. Mm -hmm. And, like, it was, it felt very New Orleans. Yes. Like, yes. and I feel like it, it just shows you that without people like Manny Fresh and Juvenile, like, we wouldn't have all of these artists that are being inspired by them. Mm -hmm. But I think what I liked the most about it, like, obviously it was bumping, like, it was fun. But I never got to see Juvenile perform live. And right. what's so cool, <laughs> obviously, but we were too young. But I think what was so cool about it was Tiny Desk gives artists an opportunity to kind of engage with the audience. You can hear like dialogue in between each song. So it was like actually cool to see his personality. Mm -hmm. I never really knew that he was funny mm -hmm. and like goofy. Yeah, like I thought this guy true. was just like this hard guy yeah. that came out with hits. Yeah. And yeah, that's real. That's real. It was fun to see him joke around with the audience, mm -hmm. a little like back and forth. Give a little background context on certain songs, how they came out, yeah. how they came to be. That's what I loved about the whole concept of Tiny Desk, because it's just, like you said, all right, we get to get that insight that we probably wouldn't have gotten elsewhere. When this man said, we got some strings, 
<laughs> he said, ladies, let's go stretch. Yeah, I know. What he said, ladies, it's like stretch when you glutes. hear that iconic <laughs> introduction, when you hear that iconic introduction, doesn't matter where you are. You could be at the club. You could be at a birthday. It is a collective call to action <laughs> to drop what you're doing and hit the dance floor and do what needs to be done. And it's an unspoken expectation. It's something about when you hear the strings in the intro, there's something that clicks in your mind. <laughs> it's, <a switch. laughs> it's like they switch something on and I'm like, I need to go to the dance floor immediately. Like right now. Right now. Right now. <laughs> and it's honestly a timeless classic. It is. I mean, it is 2023. And you hear that song in the club? The response is always like, this song dropped this year, and it's a hot record right now. You would think it was still in 99, turning into 2000. Literally. And the thing is, it's like, there's not many songs that can have that effect. Shout out to Juvenile and Manny Fresh. I don't know if they knew what that hit was going to do, but it does something for the culture. Like, like And that's what's always an interesting thing that you bring up, Ariane, because... I feel like when a hit is made, do artists realize how big of a hit that they've created in the studio, like when they're actually creating it? Like, do you think they could foresee the level of success that a song would have? I don't, I don't think so. Because I yeah. have so many questions. I mean, <laughs> yeah. whose creative decision was it to add strings mm -hmm. in the intro of this song? Mm -hmm. The cadence of the actual song, like the actual cadence lends to backing that up. It does. So it's it like, sure does. was that an intentional <laughs> choice? Like, we need to know these things. We have several questions. Ending it with Juvenile was super special. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's a lot of kids now that don't know what kind of an impact this man has made and Manny Fresh and Cash Money in general. I mean, we wouldn't have, you know, the descendants like Lil Wayne. Mm -hmm. If it, we didn't have Lil Wayne, we wouldn't have Nicki Minaj right. and we, we wouldn't have, have Young Bunny records. We wouldn't, wouldn't have Drake. Have, yeah. We, we would literally Drake. not have Drake because of Juvenile. There's a there's a threat here. Yeah. And it's just cool that Tiny Desk gets to do that mm -hmm. for artists mm -hmm. and for, you know, the younger generation that may be just learning about them, you know. Right. So this is history. Yes. Okay. They need to people need to know their history. NPR, keep doing what you're doing. And in other black music news, we need to talk about a trailer that just hit our feeds yesterday. So I was casually scrolling on TikTok yesterday and then I got hit with an ad for a movie and I'm like hearing the music and there's no context just yet. And I'm like, huh, sounds like reggae, music that I love. Mm -hmm. Then you start watching the trailer and then you realize it's a trailer for the music biopic, One Love, that's telling Bob Marley's story. If you listened to Yodi and I's music biopic episode, you understand that music biopics are one of our favorite genres. They of, really are. Of movies. And they really are. We, in that episode, talked about our criteria for what makes a good music biopic. And number one is casting. <laughs> and uh, so far, based on this trailer, it seems like they've got the casting right. They got it down. Kingsley Benadir. Mm. First of all, I have a lot of faith in him because he's a very talented actor. You've probably seen him in Peaky Blinders. Mm -hmm. He's in the new Secret Evasion mm -hmm. Marvel show. He's in High Fidelity. Yeah, he's been in a lot of projects yeah. and he's always proved himself to be a great actor. 
But the reason why I have faith in this man <laughs> is because he has had the experience of playing a real life person in a film. He played Malcolm X in One Night in Miami. Miami. Did an amazing job. I believe this man. And this man is British. Yep. And he nailed Malcolm X or his interpretation of Malcolm X. So when I saw that he was playing Bob Marley, I was like, okay, we're in good hands. Also, Lashana Lynch will be playing Rita Marley, which they nailed. She's a great actress as well. So talented. She's literally in everything. Everything. She's getting booked for the right reasons. She was amazing in Woman King. She was so good in Woman King. So good. So good. She was in the latest Matilda. Yeah, she's also in Captain Marvel. Mm -hmm. She's in her bag right yes. now. And also, like, she just, casting-wise, like, she embodies Rita. And I was like, okay, I feel good about this. What I also feel good about is that this biopic is supposed to mainly focus on the years 1977 to 1978. Mm -hmm. So it's not a cradle-to-grave biopic. I think they won't have an issue trying to cram in everything that happened in Bob Marley's life. Mm -hmm. And it kind of feel how we felt about the Whitney Houston biopic, mm -hmm. which was it felt like the pace was super swift because they were trying to include every experience in his life, you know? Yeah. Or in, in her life. Focusing on that year is going to give them more leeway to get into the details mm -hmm. and, you know, control the pace of the film. A second thing that was part of our criteria for a really good music biopic is if the family of the subject is involved in the project. Yep. And Bob Marley's son, Ziggy Marley, has produced this film. And so it's just an added layer of trust that we are giving to the film and the project. Yes. Because just knowing that his family was involved, you know, they weren't slighted in any way, and it was very much a consideration for the filmmakers, I thought that was a really cool added layer. And I feel like there might be insights and nuances that Ziggy probably contributed to the film yeah. that we'll learn about. And apparently Ziggy explained that it was an emotional experience for him and the family just to honor their dad and also like relive these moments. I think it was good for the family. It's kind of giving them like a way to celebrate Bob Marley's life and yeah. his contributions. From what we gather from this trailer, so far it is aligning with our criteria of what makes a good biopic. So I'm excited to see it. Okay, so that wraps up today's episode. If you like what you heard, you can keep up with us on our socials at D-E-U-X-S-O-L. That's at DeSoul. You can also watch us on YouTube. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music. If you can hear it, we'll be on it. And until next time, guys, peace. peace.